the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you're created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And speaking of being full, we're in a series called Filled, which has nothing to do with eating that big burger as seen at reallife.org when you find this series. No, it's a spiritual filling Pastor Sean is talking about. But healthy spiritual hunger can be suppressed. Yet some of the best examples of people with a rich spiritual life are also those who were hungry. So what can we do to renew a sense of healthy spiritual hunger? Well, Pastor Sean has some ideas in Philippians and Ephesians. The message today is part two in this message called Getting Hungry. It's time for Radio for Real Life. Let me just tell you, this is a great group of people. They're all part of this church, all just godly people. So nobody was talking about, oh, yeah, I'm involved in prostitution, or I'm caught up in drugs, or I'm a thief. We're not talking about these big, horrible sins that you're like, oh, my gosh. We're actually, the things that we started to say that we kind of tried to fill ourselves up with, they weren't bad things. They were okay things. It's busyness. Busyness at okay things. Talking about our own goals can get in the way and kind of be this artificial filler. Our own agenda. It's a constant challenge. Other things that just feed the flesh. They're not in and of themselves necessarily evil. They're just filler. I had to honestly share with my group, um, even in my job as a pastor, and I have to tell you, I am so thankful for the job that God lets me do for a living, that I get to, for my vocation, for my profession, <clears throat> I get to share the gospel with people. I get to help people come to know Christ. I think it's the most important thing in the world. I think, I think it's because it's about eternity. It's about people's souls. It's about their lives. I think it matters. And so I am so grateful for that. But that being said, there is a part of my job that I just have to tell you, I, I truly love, and I just love it for what it is. I like, I enjoy building and leading an organization. I do, and as founding pastor, you know, the start of a small group of people, and Laura's in my home, and we've been able to, with the Lord's help, with some great people, we've been able to grow the fellowship, we've been able to build it, and there's a lot of organizational work, there's a lot of leadership, there's a lot of management, there's a lot of things involved in that, and I have to tell you, I really enjoy that part. I like it. What I really think is if God hadn't called me to do this, I would be in some sort of entrepreneurial endeavor or business. I would do something like that because I'm wired that way and I enjoy that. And let me just say, I'm not saying that's bad. What I am saying is if I'm not careful, that can kind of fill me up. I can get caught up in filling my soul, filling my spirit with the leadership, the job, which I enjoy, and not being filled up with him like Paul's talking about. And you're like, but Sean, come on, man, you're a pastor. Your whole job is the Bible and leading people to follow Jesus and all that. 
Let me just say to you, if you don't think that a pastor, okay, is just like any other person, let me just tell you, folks, lest there be any bubbles burst here, okay? I'm a regular guy following Jesus, doing my best to follow Jesus. I love him dearly. But I've got the same kind of hang-ups, the same temptations as everybody else. If you don't think pastors can get caught, so caught up in the job, preaching, ministry, leading, building people, building ministries, if you don't think we can so get caught up in the job that it can lead us astray, then you haven't been paying attention. The public high-profile ministers that we've seen crash and burn, I don't believe the majority of those people were charlatans who started out to rip people off and to kind of, we're just doing this because they couldn't do anything else. I believe most of them were sincere when they started. I just know that like anything else, this job can become an idol, can become something that we starts to fill us in a way that's not appropriate, and can become the very thing that leads us astray. And lest you sit there and go, ooh, you better be careful, Sean. Mm, you know where this is going, right? If it can happen with my job, which really is does include leading people to follow Jesus and the word of God every day and all those things. If it can happen with my job, you think it can maybe happen with yours? You think some of the things you're involved in can become artificial fillers? And, and again, I'm not saying they're bad. I don't think it's bad. I'm just saying anything that we try to fill ourselves with instead of what Paul is talking about, Jesus Christ, becomes spiritual junk food. It's really what it is. It's spiritual junk food. There's all kinds of spiritual junk food. And here's the thing. I'm not saying leadership or building organizations or any of those things or any of the things you do, I'm not saying they are inherently spiritual junk food. I'm saying when they become a substitute and a filler for us instead of what Paul's talking about being filled in Jesus, they become spiritual junk food. All kinds of things can be spiritual junk food. Uh, An achievement scorecard, being all caught up in achievement. And again, there's nothing wrong with achievement. But when it feeds you, it's generally the flesh it's feeding. When you get your validation from achievement, when that's your scorecard, I'm just telling you, that's generally the flesh. Unhealthy relationships can be spiritual junk food. And there's all kinds of different types of unhealthy relationships. Sometimes it's inappropriate relationships, relationships you have no business having. Sexual relationships that are contrary to what God's word describes and what we should be involved in. Inappropriate. Negative or gossipy relationships. You know what's interesting about negative and gossipy? Um, they can artificially make you feel like you're filled because when you're, when you're tearing someone else down, being negative about someone else and gossiping about them, you, you kind of feel a little better, don't you? That's why it's worth talking about them because, look, at I, I'm better. And in an artificial way, you can kind of feel filled. It's not really filled. It just feels that way. Utilitarian relationships, relationships where I'm just using people codependent relationships. See, what's funny is unhealthy relationships can make you kind of feel like you're being filled, but they can actually be tearing you down and poisoning you. Another one we talked about in our group, social media. And I'm not saying social media is bad. I'm just saying it can become spiritual junk food real quickly. We can spend so much time filling and building these artificial networks of relationships and it's weird, social media. I know a lot of people who got off of social media because what they found it doing to them. They stopped, they, they suspended their Twitter accounts. They stopped, they got off of Facebook or Instagram. They just stopped because of what it was doing to them. Because you know what the constant question is? The constant thing when you're doing a social media for a lot of people, and when it gets unhealthy, is what do they think of me? I'm going to post, what do they think of me? How many people like my post? I didn't like my post. Why didn't they be comment on my post? 
Every time she posts, they comment, lots of people comment. I don't understand that. It's true. Nobody retweeted my comment. My comment was brilliant. There's so much obsession with what other people think. It can make you feel full if it's going well, and it's artificial. It's junk food. Excessive entertainment, TV, movies, novels, music, and I don't think any of those things are bad. But when they become a filler, and they can, they can deaden you, they can become a filler and keep you from having a spiritual hunger. Adrenaline rush. Some people are adrenaline junkies. They really are. They just adventure, my next adventure, and that, that makes me feel alive, makes me feel full. It's not. Nothing wrong with adventure. Any of that. But if it's trying to fill you with what Paul's talking about, it's not going to do it. I don't want to belabor this point. I talked about it a little bit last week, but the pursuit of wealth. It's a deceptive scorecard, but can make you feel full. False sense of security. It feeds your flesh. All of these spiritual junk food. Remember, it's hard to be hungry if you're already full. And, and you know, junk food is like that. It does that, you know, and, and as a kid, you can eat junk food and it doesn't bother you. But when we get to be adults, we come to discover the real nature of junk food, right? It's like you're eating, it tastes so good at the beginning. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> well, if sometimes your spirit, you're like, I think I should be, have more spiritual hunger than I have. I don't. And your spirit is more like a little bit, you know, maybe you've been eating spiritual junk food. And it's hard to be hungry if you're already full. Well, Paul, I think, in this Philippians passage, gives us some key ideas on his journey to spiritual hunger. Okay? He's a person who was full of self, self-described, full of self, but something happened and he became hungry for more of Jesus. And so I want to share with us what Paul would probably share if he could be here. I think if he would, were here and we said, Paul, we want to have that kind of hunger, he would tell us a couple things. Number one, I think he'd say, get empty. He would say, get empty. I think spiritual hunger always comes from emptying oneself. From emptying oneself. Paul used the phrase, forgetting what is behind. Emptying self, kind of like Jesus did. He wrote this in Philippians 2, 5-8. through He said, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Emptying of self. See, Paul did that by forgetting what was behind. I think some of us need to understand it's not about me it's not about what i've done or what i want to do there's something bigger at say and and it is the absolute key to god's amazing purpose and destiny that he has for every one of us but we're gonna have to decide am i willing to get empty am i willing to like paul said forget what was behind i think some of us need to forget what was behind old labels and achievements Old labels and achievements that became our identity. We need to leave those behind. Nothing wrong with having the trophies, but we can't be identified by the old trophies, all right? That's weird. You know, the guy who's got all his high school trophies and he pulls them out whenever somebody comes over, it's like, okay, that's cool and all, but come on, man. Some guys are right now, dang, I can't believe he said that. (laughs) Wives are looking at their husband, talking about you. (laughs) 
There's nothing wrong with having the old trophies, but if that's what identifies, if that's what validates you, if that's where you're still living, or even that kind of identity, that kind of scorecard, I'm just telling you, you might need to, like Paul, forget what was behind. Old expectations, maybe that you had for yourself, the family had for you, culture had for you, you need to leave those behind. Old pursuits, old scorecards, you need to leave them behind. Old rules of the flesh. Maybe you were raised in a culture where, yeah, he who you know, dies with the most toys wins. Well, that's the old rule of the flesh. We recognize the emptiness of that. Leave it behind and start recognizing, okay, I'm going to start over. I'm going to start with a clean slate. Lord, my spirit is available to you. I'm empty before you. Watch and see if when you get empty, you don't start have a spiritual hunger to be filled in him. The emptying of self says... It's not about me, because self actually is the problem. It's not about me. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Getting Hungry, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org, where there you can also watch a video podcast of this message and series. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now the conclusion to the message, Getting Hungry. This is Radio for Real Life. Got to get empty because it's hard to be hungry if you're already full. Second thing is get a new goal. Paul talked about his goal. A lot of us need to get a new goal. Spiritual hunger always involves a new goal. Like, who do I want to become? Or maybe a better question is, who did God create me to be? Who does God see when he looks at me? Who does God see of me for me in like five years? Who does he see, envision me to be? See, Philippians 1.6 gives us a great verse. I love this little verse. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know he's began a good work in you? When you became a Christ follower, he started a work. It's not like it was, you know, we talk about how it was finished. And yes, our salvation was secured and finished on the cross. But when we become followers of Jesus Christ, he began a work in you. Began building you into the person that he created you to be. And that's very different than the worldly version of yourself. This takes a lot of faith. Because, like, what if I don't like where God wants to take me? What if I kind of have my own kind of agenda that I'm working on and I'm not sure that God's is going to fit my agenda? I'd really rather God just fit into my routine and my agenda. Let me just say to you, it doesn't work like that. Just go home, get a dictionary, look up the word God. If you're wanting God to fit in with you, you don't know what God means. He's God. We're not. 
Listen to how Paul describes this. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. He's praying for people, and he's he's praying the kind of things that God wants for us to have. It's kind of like what what this good work would look like. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, rooted and established, not just kind of like a little gentle breeze that kind of affects you a little bit, maybe a little bit comes from you, but it's something that's deep, it's powerful. Rooted and established in love, you may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the kind of picture he's talking about. That's what our goal should look like, to become that person who's powerful on the inside, filled with his spirit. We've got to get hungry. We've got to get a new goal. I want to suggest that means I need a new goal for my life and my character. Who do I want to be? You know, there was a day when I was supposed to be a polo player. And I was a Christian. That wasn't a non-Christian pursuit. But that was going to be my life. Professional polo. That's what my family did. That's what I was supposed to do. And that had a whole kind of set of things that it was going to be about. Well, there was polo player Sean, but then there's Christ follower Sean. And I'm not saying you can't be both if that's what God has for you. But it wasn't what God had for me. And Christ follower Sean had to say, okay, whatever God wants to do. For me, that involved a whole new direction. But it involved a character of humility before him, a character of obedience. What character does God want to build in you? How about a new goal for my career? A new goal for my career. Do you understand God has a goal that he wants you to pursue in the context of your career? For me, that involved a career change. For most people, it won't necessarily. But it just means that we go to work. We still go to work. We still earn, you know, Scripture describes, you know, earning your bread with the work of your hands. That's a good thing. You should work to support your family and to take care of yourself. That's a good, honorable thing. But God's got a whole lot more going on than just that. It's about a lot more than just making a paycheck. He wants to do stuff in and through you that you, you're like, you're not even aware of. He wants to use you to change people's lives. He wants to use you to change the world right in and through your career. You've got to have a different goal for your career. Some people, their goal is like, yeah, to do as well as I can and then do retire and be gone. There, there's mine. Do you understand in the kingdom there's no such thing as retirement? You need to understand that. Just because there might be a day when you retire from this part of your career, this part of your job, that's great. God's still got something. Let me tell you, if you're here, especially I want to talk to my seniors for a minute, okay? Some of you who are up there in years a little more and kind of in that place of retirement, I just want to say to you, real simple principle, if you're not dead yet, you're not done yet, okay? You're not supposed to be just sitting here sucking up air and kind of enjoying the good life. Seriously. You have got more to offer. You've got wisdom. You've got experience. And you have got a Savior who says, I'm still working in you. Fine, you're at a different phase of your career. That doesn't mean your career is over. In the same way God wants to use and use you when you're, you're young and you've got three kids in the house and things are crazy, he wants to use you when you're at retirement age. He's got other things, new things. I don't care where you are in that journey. We need a new goal for our career.
New goal for my marriage. What's your goal in the context of your marriage? And, you know, you might say, well, just to still be married in a year. That'd be good, you know. (laughs) To not kill my spouse. What do you mean? Winning. Yay. Okay, that's a pretty lame goal. Okay? (laughs) Most terrible goal ever. No, I mean, you should have a goal for your marriage. This is the most important relationship. Other than your relationship with God himself, this is the most important relationship in your life. What, What do you want to see out of that? What does God want to see out of that? You know, how can I help my wife win? How can I help my husband win? What, what, how can I be a, a, an advocate of God's purpose in my spouse? How can we love each other more? How can we do, achieve some goals together that we want to achieve? There should be goals for our marriage that are ordained and ordered by the Lord. Because he has ideas. I need new goals for my kids and grandkids. I really do. I should have goals for my kids and grandkids. And not just kind of run them through the same program that I ran through so they can get a job just like I did and want to get out of it as badly as I want to get out of it. Okay? That is not the way we need to run our kids through. Okay? But that's the program the world says they should go through. And the world certainly knows how to create great kids, doesn't it? Yeah, we laugh, but we keep doing it. Bye, run you in the pipeline. Okay? Why am I doing this? I don't know. The experts said I should. Stop it. I'm not saying we shouldn't do training or, or we shouldn't prepare our kids. I'm a fan of education. I'm an advocate. But, but for a purpose, keep our eyes on the goal that they be followers of Christ, that they be filled with his love, deeply rooted in his love, that his power is within them, that they are world changers. That should be our goal. See, we need to get empty, but then we need to get a new goal like the Apostle Paul did. And press on. It's hard to be hungry if you're already full. Last thing, I'll wrap with this. Pursue Jesus. Because that's what Paul said. He said, he said, yeah, I forget everything else. I put it all behind. And one thing I do, I grab on to him. I grab on to him. And I want everything that I can have in him. Paul's phrase is, I press on. Spiritual hungry, hunger will always grab on to the only one who can satisfy John 6.35, Jesus very specifically said, I am the bread of life. Okay? He is the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, he says, will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The hunger that is in our hearts, our spirits, hunger that is in our lives can only be satisfied in him. I love the way the writer of Hebrews wrote it. And I read verse 1 last week. I'll read 1 and 2 this week. Hebrews 12 one and two. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we've got to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know him intimately, his suffering. I want to know his love. I want to know his, his death, his resurrection, so that I can have the resurrection that he has for me. I want to know him. Are you willing to be hungry for more of Jesus? Are you willing to get empty, get a new goal, and pursue Jesus? Let me give you a few real quick hunger helps, okay? Hunger aids to help stimulate your spiritual hunger at least they work for me a a daily time with the lord a daily time with the lord and this is where spiritual disciplines come in because if you're not feeling it i want to encourage you power through 
Because here's how it works. Here's how that spiritual hunger will develop. As you begin to get into the Word every day, if you don't have a plan, use our plan on at reallife.org. It's awesome. It's great. I'm enjoying it. Get in the Word every day and let God speak to you and then begin to act on what He says. When you see His power begin to work through the Word, Him speak to you, you step out in obedience and you see the power of God, let me just tell you, you will become more hungry for His presence, more hungry for His Word. That's how it works. Okay? A second aid in stimulating your spiritual hunger is hanging out with other hungry people. When I get together with my community group, and I may be feeling flat, but when we start praying together, when we start sharing the word, when I hear what God's doing in their lives, my hunger is stirred up. It's, it whets my appetite for the things of God. Hang out with other people who do that. Another way, honestly, ministry. And I just by that I mean uh, you know, helping other people know and experience Jesus. That might involve sharing message with them or sharing actually scripture or something like that, but it can also sometimes just be pointing someone towards Christ in the context of their life. And when you see someone actually begin to get it and the light comes on and they begin to have a real relationship with Jesus and they begin to see something, that, that's addictive, man. And I mean that in the best spiritual way. You're just like, oh, I want more of that. I want more of that. I want to see people's lives transformed by Jesus. See, we've got to press in to Jesus. What are you going to leave behind so that you can make room for spiritual hunger and press into Jesus? Something different for everyone else. I'm not preaching against certain things. I'm just saying it's hard to be hungry if you're already full. What are you going to put aside so that you can press into Jesus? Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Getting Hungry or this whole series called Filled, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5, Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.